Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, a show where we discuss trends, pop culture, and cannabis holidays, because at the end of the day, everything is an ad. I am Luz Corona, Adweek Community Editor. I'd like to welcome back my co-host, Rebecca Stewart, our Europe brand editor, who took a well-deserved break last week. Rebecca, how was your time off? Yeah, thank you. It was great. Um, I was in Budapest, which was fun, um, and I was finishing my cover story for this month's issue. Yes, so big congrats on your first cover story. Um, Can you give our listeners, if they haven't read it yet, like a little bit of a teaser on what they can expect? Yeah, so if you haven't read it yet, you should. Um, (laughs) It was, yeah, it was my first ever cover for Ad Week and it was for our Finding the Consumer issue and I spoke to McDonald's, two CMOs, so they're US and global CMOs, Morgan and Tarek, and we just spoke about McDonald's marketing glow up, really. the brand has kind of really lost its way with Gen Z, but in recent years it's managed to turn that around with some really cool work from Widens in the US. And uh, so you guys will know the Travis Scott meal, famous orders. It's really gone down like the celebrity route. And I learned when I was writing actually that McDonald's had never had a celebrity meal on the menu since 1992. Um, and that was the McJordan. And that was available only in certain stores or certain restaurants in Chicago. Um, so yeah, that was fun. It was fun to learn all about the kind of history of it, but it was more about what McDonald's looks like now. Um, it had become this brand that was quite transactional in people's lives, but they want to cement themselves in culture again. So yeah, it's all in the story. So our reader, our listeners can read on. <laughs> so cool. Um, final question. How many chicken nuggets did you have in the production of that story? Uh, I can't comment at this time. (laughs) Fair, fair. (laughs) Um, Well, congrats again, my friend. You did an amazing job. We're getting really great feedback from from readers on it. So, um, but today we are welcoming um, our colleague and friend, Terry Stanley, a senior editor at Adweek, where she specializes in consumer trends, cannabis marketing, plant-based food products, Pop culture, creativity, this lady does it all. Terry, how are you? Hello. <laughs> so good to 
be here. Yes. Um, we're lucky to have you. We're happy to have you. Um, happy almost 420 to all those who observe. Um, and that's why we have you here. Many, many of us yes. who do. <laughs> Um, and that's why we have you here today, right? You are our resident expert at Adweek on the matter. And, you know, it's, it's been great. To, um, yeah, I feel like you've had a front row seat on this part of the industry, like really rolling out. And you've done an incredible job covering it. Um, so, you know, last year, you mentioned, was the first post-pandemic celebration, right, of 420. This year, 2023, what can we expect compared to last year? By the way, thank you, Luz. I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> no, I there there it's such a big industry. There's so much going on. There's so much to cover. Every time we turn around, there's a new bit of news. For instance, my home state of Kentucky just voted to go medical. Um, a medical program, which they should have had a long, long time ago. It's, it's been probably the, you know, on the gray market, the number one cash crop in the state, aside from tobacco, but it's been illegal this whole time. So we'll see what happens there. I mean, yeah, they, they're late to the party, right? As a lot of, as yeah. a lot of conservative states are, but um, there's so much news in the space and I have to really pick and choose like what is what is an ad week piece of this story to tell so we often focus on um a lot of the business trends that are happening a lot of advertising and marketing and a lot of that is unconventional because the the mainstream um media outlets are generally not available to cannabis marketers so um, they have to be a lot more wily and creative, which is fun for me and fun for, you know, I think fun for us to cover. But yeah, we just sort of, we carve out our piece of this to cover. And uh, even that, you know, is, is just busy and fun and innovative and interesting. Um, and this 420 in particular, uh, from a consumer perspective, I think we're going to see a lot of um, probably even more communal celebrations. We definitely got back to that last year. Um, some people never stopped, you know, but no, <laughs> lockdown be damned. Some people never stopped. Um, but uh, on an official kind of sanctioned level last year, really, we got back to those big um, gatherings, whether it was Hippie Hill in San Francisco or Detroit or, you know, all, all around the country, you see a lot of those big festivals and music-based um, things coming back. We'll have tons of that, both on a local level and, uh, and on a regional level, those kind of events that draw people from, you know, neighboring towns and neighboring states and stuff like that. Plenty of that, lots of great music, lots of live performing and art and creators and makers and stuff like that. But um, from a business level, I think we will continue to see mainstream brands get edge closer and closer to 420 because it's not really a risk anymore. It's I don't think you're so much... Um, putting yourself in the line of fire. You're not going to get a lot of blowback from your consumers. If you, uh, if you have a 420 based program, someone like 
uh, a brand like Jack in the Box, they have established their stoner bona fides long ago. So no one bats an eye that um, that they have a partnership now with with Weed Weed Maps, and they're um, bringing back their Pineapple Express milkshake and doing all these fun activations around it. That's it's no surprise for them, but it, it's even a bigger, um, you know, a bigger planting of their flag into that world. And I, I think we, we may see more and more of that, but last year, you know, a few things that stood out to me was that we had not only those brands that I would consider almost endemic to cannabis, like fast food and snacks and, you know, those things that you, of course, they have a natural connection. But last year we saw, you know, grocery store brands and just people that you absolutely would not have expected to be diving in. Um, I think we'll, we'll continue to see that. And um, from a business level, the, the industry is struggling in mainly in legacy markets, but, but even in a place like, like New York, where, where you're based, Luz, um, that program has just hobbled out of the gate. Um, the illicit market is eating everyone's lunch. And it has a, there are a lot of problems with that program. And I don't really see a whole lot of solutions to it. Not that people aren't going to be celebrating 420, but if they can go to, you know, an ice cream truck and, and buy weed, why would they need to go to one of the handful of dispensaries that are now open you know, that's a real, that's a rough, um, that's rough for people who are trying to make some money. Yeah. And they're, and they're at higher price points, right? Like in the dispensaries as compared to, you know, like other forms of uh, obtaining cannabis. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I don't know if you guys remember the show that really was ahead of its time, High Maintenance. <gasps> I've been binging it, actually, Terry. What what is this? Please explain for the, for the UK listeners. Okay, this show is called High Maintenance. It actually started uh, on as an online content series, and it went to HBO. I really think it was way ahead of its time. It was. It's an excellent, excellent show. A bunch, yep. bunch of half hours. It ran a couple seasons at least. And it stars someone whose name we never know. He is just called Ooh. The Guy. The Guy. Yeah. Oh, I like the sign to this. <laughs> um, it's on HBO Max, I guess, aka Max now. Um, but, I mean, like Tari said, it really was ahead of its time. I'm actually watching it for storytelling purposes because it's just, like, the way oh, they wow. tell the stories and, like, and just related to this this weed dealer and his interactions. Oh, my God. Terry, you just – I got to <laughs> slack you after this. I can't believe you brought that up. I've been binging it every night. I love <laughs> that show. I love that show yeah. so much. You're right. It's a great – it's just a really, really um, – it, it also captures that slice of life of all these – you know, it's an anthology. So there are all these different – New Yorkers that he just happens to pop in on because that's what his profession is. You know, he rides his bike to deliver weed to all these different people and uh, captures just a little bit of, he gets a snapshot of what's going on in their lives at the time or becomes their therapist or, you know, all this other fun stuff. But um, that, that guy, the guy, 
a lot of people in New York have the guy. So they are not necessarily eager to go to a dispensary and yes, pay more. They have a much better idea of what they're getting when they, you know, things are tested, it's regulated, it's what what it says on the package, that's what it is. When you go to the guy, you get what you get, right? <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> oh, so good. And it really does just give a glimpse of that life. Um, definitely highly recommend. Um, sorry, Rebecca, I have questions, but I'll, I'll hand over the mic to you. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, this is a fascinating area. First of all, actually, can I just say Terry has the best beat at Ad Week? I think we can all agree. <laughs> Hands down. Yep. Yep. Um, but for me, this is fascinating because the UK is obviously so, so, so far behind the US um, when it comes to any of this. And the only kind of ads that we see here that are cannabis related are really naff ads for like CBD oil or CBD hand moisturizer, like super kind of boring, like pharmaceutical or yeah, kind of ads. But I think what you're saying, Terry, like to see kind of household brands like Jack in the Box um, forging partnerships with weed brands in the US, it shows like how far that market has come and how these kind of negative stereotypes around cannabis have evolved so much so that household brands want to attach their name to it. But I know that it's been evolving a bit as well in the kind of social media space. So Twitter obviously rolled out, I think it was a few months ago, it was the first platform to roll out like social media cannabis advertising. Can you talk a little bit about how that's going? Sure. I think that, I think it it almost made more of an impression outside the industry than it did inside mm-hmm. the industry. It's, it's absolutely... Um, being a first mover like that does have does carry some weight, uh, but as we know, you know, Twitter now is not what Twitter was. So a lot of people have left the platform for for obvious reasons. Um, I th- I still I think it was significant in a way, and in in that it made a statement. But if mm-hmm. you talk to people who have their hands on the marketing budgets of cannabis brands. Um, they are a sophisticated group. They, a lot of them come from CPG or they, they may be classically trained marketers. So they are going to judge this as they would judge any other piece of media that they could be spending their money on. What is my return? Is this is this worth it for me? I mean, is it, it, it's strictly a, it's strictly an awareness play and it it is not a sell message. There are no links to buy the product. Um, It's, it's not programmatic. You know, it's, it's kind of a, a big megaphone, but Mm -hmm. how much value does that really have? And as marketing budgets, across categories, including cannabis, are, are really uh, tight, how are you going to spend your money? And how can you justify, yeah, I made a media buy on Twitter. Well, what is that going to do for us as a brand, as a, you know, as a dispensary or as, um, you know, Stizzy or Kiva or any of the, what is it going to do for me? It's, it's going to get my name out there. Some of the MSOs have already tested it. Well, I mean, they have a lot of money anyway, so um, 
Yeah, I don't I don't know that a lot of brands were just uh ready to jump in, but I think it's a I think it's still it makes it's it makes a statement. But I believe mm-hmm. at the same time, you know, cannabis folks are very savvy and they know opportunism when they see it. And Elon needs money. Mm-hmm. So opening up his channel to cannabis, I mean, he's privately owned. He can do whatever he wants. But opening up his channel channel to cannabis might seem like, oh, that's such a, you know, such a benevolent move or whatever. But look, come on. He needs the money. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Yeah. 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 And I like that you pointed that out in your article, Terry, like when Twitter first announced that they were relaxing their, you know, advertising policy around this, you you covered that, right? You said like advertisers are returning to Twitter after this mass exodus following Musk's takeover, you know, and, and this could lead to like the landscape of Twitter changing, just kind of like changing things. Um, so I thought that was really great to cover there. Um This brings me to a question that I was curious about, and I'm not sure if you can quite answer, but I would love to hear your take. So I saw earlier on Twitter from a social media manager, he said, you know, thoughts and prayers to all social media teams that are trying to get approvals for 420 content. Um, You know, and I just it just struck me as so funny because it's so true, right? You see a lot of like wink, wink, nod, nod, you know, kind of um, advertisements are just kind of like playing in the space and like. I was just curious to hear your take. Like, do you, what do you, what do you think like social media teams have to go through to get this kind of approval? (laughs) You know? Uh, Yeah, that's a really good question. I think what you see everywhere and not just Twitter is wild inconsistency. Yep. You know, like some influencer can get away with what seems like murder, air quote murder, uh, on their feed, and they're posting things that you think if if a brand tried to do that, they would get shut down so fast it would make everyone's head spin. 
wildly inconsistent. I mean, what are the standards? What are the, it's, there's a lot of subjectivity. And I think any of us could go through any of our feeds and find things that you think, wow, I'm shocked that I'm able to view that. Not that it's, <laughs> not, it's not objectionable, but it's just like, wow, okay. Uh, that works for somebody, but I bet yeah. if, uh, you know, if one of the <laughs> cannabis beverage bands tried to do that, they would get their nose slapped super fast. Mm, gotcha. So you're saying it depends on like who it is that's speaking and like what the channel is. And it's just like, it just varies. Apparently so. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I know there is an approval process for Twitter that people were complaining about instantly. Um so it, there is a, a lot more scrutiny on any paid cannabis content, a lot more scrutiny. Terry, in January, you wrote um, a piece, which I love the headline, New Cannabis Trade Group Aims to be the Got Milk of Weed. Um, and it was about bringing more cohesion to the industry. Um, and it's the Cannabis Media Council. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. I think that group is, um, they've been in the works for quite a while and have really been sort of putting those building blocks in places in place and making um, some strong uh, relationships with existing publishers, like big publishers, to say, again, um, there, is, there is a legitimate and legal industry here that should not be um, excluded from mainstream media channels. Now, they have to behave themselves, and this is all very much self-policing at this point, and I think this group really just really wants to professionalize the whole thing and look at if, if a publisher came to them and said, um, I have an inquiry from this brand, and I just kind of want to vet them, and I want to know who they are, and and what kinds of messages they, you know, they have. That's, I think that group is going to be really instrumental in that. And just, they launched their own ad campaign to kind of announce who they were. And I thought it was such an interesting choice that they picked these sort of boomer age characters to say, you know, um, your neighbor is is likely a stoner, but she's not a dirt bag. You know, like they kind of played <laughs> with the language and the stereotypical labels that that come along with, and so um, using these folks that you might not expect, and but who um, are pro potentially, you know, they could be users from decades ago, or maybe they were a lapsed mm -hmm. user and now they use again for. Um, insomnia or aches and pains or who knows what, but really to just sort of normalize that and to show, to, to flip some of those interesting old labels on their head and say, um, there are plenty of people who are in this community and you may not know it, but um, there's no reason that this message or these folks have to be hidden anymore. Yeah. 
It was such a good campaign, and I think that Hearst, um, who the, who they're partnering with for that campaign launch, they they've kind of launched their own title, haven't they, or their own channel, like dedicated to kind of dispel myths around around cannabis and tandem. Yeah, educational and editorial, you know, like very, Mm -hmm. um, really forward thinking of them. But I'm sure that they understand that there is a pretty rich vein of both creativity and and there's a financial upside for them to be Mm -hmm. in that business. It is the future, even though we, we are still absolutely nowhere on federal legalization and we can stop holding our breath there, honestly. I mean, it will happen eventually, but um, it, it, we're still in this state by state march that's going to continue. And, you know, Biden has said, it's been a while now, he said that he was um, looking into um, rescheduling cannabis um, so that it would no longer be potentially a, a schedule one drug where it is now like right up there with heroin, um, where it does mm-hmm. not belong. So, uh, but we're, you know, I haven't heard a peep about that lately. So we're still kind of in the exactly the same federal boat that we have been. Um, but I do, I still think people who are smart realize that it is the future. The public is overwhelmingly supportive of these programs, either for medical or rec or both. No, you know, there are still certainly people who are, who are really uptight about it. We had some things go legislatively like this past year that I sensed a little bit of a backlash in some red states where you would have thought um, it would have gone through and it didn't. So there, there is a little bit of a, of a, you know, an odd um, backlash going on. Hopefully that's short-lived or or on a small scale because, you know, we see Missouri just starting its rec program and boom, it was like $70 million in their first month. So they're drawing from all their neighboring states where they don't have legalization. So that's why, <laughs> yeah, people want this. That that's fascinating. I um, you know, I I'm curious because in touching on demos, you know that that campaign was speaking to boomers and Gen X. Um, and I think what's so fascinating about cannabis marketing is like you can really just speak to any audience, right? And like it just matters like what your brand is and who you're really trying to talk to. But it could be anybody. So for example, you know, last year Terry, you remember like Sammy, our social lead, and I went to the Luxury Meets Cannabis conference in New York last year. Um, and it was fascinating, just all the different kind of products and, and what's out there. But something that really caught my attention was this brand called Honest. And they advertise themselves as like smokeware designed to be seen. So they make like this these premium smoking devices that um, the design is clean and sleek. You know, their bongs are made of Pyrex glass and high quality aluminum. Like, and, you know, when I asked them who they were targeting, they were targeting established professionals in metro areas ages 22 to 35, but that they did see an older demographic take interest. So I'm just curious to hear like your take in terms of like different demographics that are being spoken to is one demo being spoken to more than others. Like, you know, what's your take there? 
That's a really good question. And I think we're, we're seeing um, some interesting products that are, some of them are adjacent products like you're describing. They're like, they're, that's, um, it's not flour. It's not a pre-roll. It is a, it's an accessory. Um, brands like Edie Parker has her whole, you know, just lovely handcrafted, custom created, beautiful stuff, um, accessories. Um, even, you know, Seth Rogen is doing, he's a ceramicist on the side. That's his side hustle. So he's, uh, in addition to, you know, movies, TV and weed. And so he is selling very, very cool accessories that have apparently done quite well. Um, yeah, there are brands that have done really well and those are, those are premium products in most cases, you know, that's not necessarily for, um, someone who is just dabbling in the industry. That's for someone who is kind of a connoisseur. So that could be an older demo and it could be a female demo. Which, you know, if, yeah, if you're, if you're creating sort of jewelry and handbags and things that are going to, um, hide your weed or, you know, carry your weed, that that's definitely for, um, for a premium customer. So you're right. It's not, it's not necessarily, um, who you might expect, although let's be completely clear about flower driving the business, um, real serious people who, um, who know what they're doing, know what they want, want high levels of THC. They are spending the most money, mm-hmm. no doubt, gotcha. but still there's plenty of room for, um, for these other demos. And I think they are, you know, you get to the, like the boomer stage, that demo is not spending as much money as say, millennials it's just such an exciting kind of interesting market for for cannabis brands but also brands that can attach themselves to it and I just wonder like what's next Terry what do you expect to see kind of coming down the line in the next 12 months good question Um, (laughs) I think we're gonna see um more content which we kind of already have so if you know, if, um, if a cable giant like, um, discovery is, is all in on a Jim Belushi series that follows his weed farm in Oregon. Um, I think that's, that's really telling about who's, um, who's watching, who's interested, who's willing to finance and spend money, and that, that's a very mainstream channel and it's a very mainstream show. He just launched, yeah. he just launched his third season. Um, yeah, I think we'll see more collaborations between, I, I'm, I'm a little surprised we haven't seen more collaborations say, say between um, health and beauty, wellness, and all those kind of categories with, with cannabis. But I think that's coming. I definitely think that's coming. So outside of say entertainment and media, I think there should be, and probably will be partnerships that, um, 
that associate cannabis very closely with um, with other CPG products. We definitely see lots of, have seen these for a while. They'll probably step up more artists and musicians and things like that, collaborations. Um, they've always, there's always been an informal association. It's becoming more formalized in a lot of, in a lot of ways. Experiential, I think is probably going to get bigger where cannabis brands are going to be invited to places that they wouldn't have been even a few years ago. So not even just a music festival where, again, you would kind of expect maybe um, some of them will start to have on, on-premise dispensaries. That's already happening. But even just, you know, street fairs and food and wine festivals and stuff like that, I think we're going to see more, um, you know, you're going to be walking along a food and wine fair and you're going to see a cannabis brand. Gotcha. Oh my gosh. I mean, if anyone, if you need anyone to accompany you, you know, like let Rebecca and I know, it's totally fine. Twist our arm. We'll go. We'll be there. And it won't, yeah. just, be, and it won't just be California. I mean, we're, we're going to be sort of often the first, but uh, you're going to see this all over the place. That's so cool. It's it's just really fascinating to see this roll out. Yeah. Um, and thank you for you're doing such an amazing job covering it. So thank you. We're looking forward to seeing how it continues to evolve. Thank you so much. You guys read so carefully. It just does my heart good. It really, <laughs> man. I, I, no, there's some people like they just kind of skim the headline and they go, "Oh, I saw that story you wrote." I'm like, you probably didn't read it, but Rebecca and Luz read it. <laughs> I love it. We're Teddy's biggest fans. Yes. Yeah. Seriously. You you've been writing like such killer stories lately. You know, everybody just needs to go just Google Adweek Terry Stanley and there is some cool shit out there. I'm just gonna say it. Well, I have to amuse myself, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're amusing us as well. So thank you. Um, and thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Um, thank you to the wonderful Terry for joining. And Rebecca, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Cool. So fun. So um, fun. Call me. I'll come back anytime. Amazing. <laughs> and that's a wrap for this week. Thanks, all. Thank you for listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and Acast Creator Network. This podcast was produced by me, Al Manorino, executive produced by Chris Ahrens and John Heil, and edited by Lane McGivney at Boutwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all of Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcast. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. Thanks for listening. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan.